Hey, Life Church Livonia. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Tell Me More, the podcast. I'm here with Kate today, the barking dog sound in the background. <laughs> What's up, everybody? So glad to be here with you. The most glad. Tons of gladness. So Kate much gladness. So much gladness about Often, most of the time. <laughs> Partnered with anger because I just want more. <laughs> Well, welcome to Tell Me More. This is a podcast where we go deeper in discipleship together because uh, the goal of this whole thing, we our lives are to be changed and transformed by the love, presence, word, power of God. And uh, that just does not happen exclusively at conferences, events, and sermons. Those things are all good, but in my life, they have been the genesis of a transformation, not the whole thing. And so in this podcast, we go a little bit deeper together and we explore uh, God's word and what he might be saying to us in a more um, meaty and uh, focused manner, a little more long form conversation instead of presentation, uh, because discipleship's a journey and we're on that journey together. So we are hopeful that today's conversation on Matthew 6 is going to be helpful in your discipleship journey as we go deeper together. Now, we are not talking about the sermon from this past weekend. So if mm. y'all got some questions about that stuff or there, okay, you can uh, let us know via Facebook. I'm not sure what that accent was. Anybody else know what the accent was? That it I doesn't. Was we're moving on from it. <laughs> There'll be other accents to be had, I'm sure, in this conversation. Can't wait for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the best. Um, but you can let us know via Facebook, you can let us know, comment on YouTube, uh, or just contact us directly. Um, but today we're going to be looking at Matthew 6, 1 through 8. Why Matthew 6, 1 through 8, you ask? Well, I'm glad you asked, Kate. The reason is because um, there's just not enough weeks to get through the whole Sermon on the Mount if we only do it Sundays. So today, we're going to be looking at the next section on the Sermon on the Mount which is Matthew 6, verses 1 through 8. So we're going to start reading this bad boy off, and then we're going to make some observations about what Jesus is getting at here. So do you want to take us away and read uh, read these eight verses here, yeah. Kate? Yeah, sure. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Ooh. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, burp, 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 as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Amen. Amen. All yeah. about that base. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot going on here. And this is coming off of the tail end of what we talked about on Sunday. So the passage right before this is um the loving your enemies. And and we talked about that Sunday again. If you missed that, check it out on our YouTube or here on this podcast. 
because uh, Jesus has some strong dang words about that. And challenging this is a, ones. Immediately challenging after. Words. Very challenging mm-hmm. words. Not my preference, but hey, <laughs> God's yeah. word is not about what I want. It's about mm-hmm. what's good for me. Yeah. Um, so in this section of scripture, one of the questions I always ask when I'm reading scripture is why this next? Why this next, right? Because whenever you're doing, this is a sermon. um, And so Jesus is structuring the topics to feed into each other in specific ways. So you mean he's got like a flow to to his thoughts? You could say that. You could say there's a logic to it. Pretty spectacular there. I really like that. (laughs) Yeah. It's amazing. God has logic. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, um, one of the questions that, that, I was asking is why this next? Why is this the thing that Jesus is um, focusing on? And we talked on Sunday that this whole sermon series, this whole Sermon on the Mount is not just about God um, trying to make good people. He's trying to make a certain kind, a new kind of person, a person that acts like him in the world, right? Yep. And so what does this have to do with that? And then how does that come out of um, loving our enemies. So we're going to kind of go verse by verse. I want to connect them at the end, um, but we're just going to start verse by verse and, and just chat a little bit about the observations. So one of the things whenever you're studying scripture, you always want to just start with observations and questions before opinions. Observations and yeah. questions lead to interpretations, uh, but you want to start curious over going, oh, well, this is what it means. And now I'm going to make everything fit into that meaning. So Mm -hmm. uh, let's start with the beginning. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your father in heaven. So Kate, um, tell me how how you think that relates to what Jesus just finished talking about, which is loving our enemies. Yeah, so, excuse me. I think that what I see here is, Um, a caution, obviously careful, be careful, which leads me to believe that there's mindfulness and intentionality that needs to be done with our spiritual practices, because that's Mm -hmm. what we've just been reading in Matthew five, but also righteousness. So it says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. So not only is it like a caution and awareness, mindfulness, but he's also telling us what righteousness is in the text. So you can go back and see like what behaviors did he just outline? And then we could write those down and say like, these are behaviors that are righteous to God. Mm -hmm. And if we want to be like God or understand what he says, uh, our conduct in the world should be, then we can actually look at what he says is righteous. Mm -hmm. And then an interesting observation is that if you do that, you'll have no reward from your father in heaven. So what I hear in that verse you know, that text is that there could be reward. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And so I see that in scripture and that it comes from our father in heaven. So anything good, uh, any good gift that we get from the Lord or from the world, like that we experience anything good is from God. Mm. Yeah, for sure. I think there's a lot of good stuff in that. I think that, um, we see this this kind of sandwich here. So, you know, we're coming out of talking about our loving our enemies. Mm-hmm. And, oh, I'm about to sneeze again here in a second. But we come out of blessings about, upon you. <laughs> thank you. Loving mm-hmm. our enemies. Uh, and yep. Jesus's next statement on that 
is be careful not to practice. Whoop. He sneezed, oh, everybody, me. just in case you aren't I watching on YouTube. Myself, <laughs> God bless uh, you. Thank you. Yes. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. And he's mm-hmm. going to bring back that idea of reward in just a second. But he moves on to, so there's this clearly this righteousness related to loving our enemies, which we talked yep. about on Sunday. Yep. But then he moves on to a different kind of righteousness, which is giving to the needy. So when you give to the needy, he doesn't say not if. if. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do, which is such an interesting phrase because what Jesus is saying is the fact that these people um, are announcing their righteousness or announcing the good things they're doing are showing it for everybody. Um, in the public marketplace makes them hypocrites. And my question would be why? Mm-hmm. What about that makes them hypocritical? Sure, totally. Because a hypocrite is someone who says one thing and then does another thing, right? That's what a hypocrite yeah. is. So what about announcing um, my good deeds? In our day and age, that might be posting something good I've done on Facebook mm-hmm. or Instagram, right? It's just annou- yeah. telling everybody that I know, look at me, look at this wonderful thing I've done. Yeah. Jesus is, Jesus says that's don't. saying one thing and doing another. <laughs> he's like, don't is, do that. Yeah. Which is so interesting. So I wonder what he's going to get at. Cause he is going to get at something. Yeah. Yeah. As the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Mm-hmm. Truly, that's their motivation. Right. Yeah. Truly. I tell you, they've received their reward in full, but when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. So your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And then he goes on to talk about a different kind of hypocrisy, but I just want to camp here for a second. Um, Some of my observations in this, this is centering around the idea of reward. That's Mm -hmm. kind of one of the main themes here that there is a reward for righteousness and you have to choose whether that reward is going to come from God Mm -hmm. or come from people. Yep, that is a distinction that we see there because there's two separate people receiving, you know, uh, giving reward. They've already received their reward in full, the people who are announcing their good deeds. And then the next, you know, verses, if you do it in secret and not let people know about it, then the father is going to reward you. So Mm -hmm. where do you want that from, man or God? And this is the thing whoever we want to reward us is our God, right? That when we go after the praise of men, it's because that's who we worship. And Jesus is ultimately getting, because he goes on to prayer, which we're not going to talk about in this podcast, but he goes on to prayer, I think coming out of this, because he's ultimately trying to get at um, who is it we worship and what rewards do we want? Mm -hmm. And, um, the rewards we get from our good deeds. If we want to be honored by others, um, we give up being honored by God. And I think that we see that in the life of Jesus so hard. There are so many things he did and said that uh, were honoring to God and God's will that lost him the approval of people. And there, there's a time when we have to pick and choose. But I also think Jesus is talking about like a spiritual barometer here. Um, Mm. what do you mean by that? Uh, 
I know where my heart is. I know who my God is because I um, can see who I want to reward me. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. what I can, when I want uh, approval from people, that's where my allegiances are lying right now. Yeah. And uh, when I want, when I'm okay with secrecy, because I trust that God will see that and reward mm-hmm. me, when I'm okay with not telling people the good things I'm doing, um, God is super pleased with that because then it's not mm-hmm. about people, it's about Him. Right. Um, yeah. And that's so challenging too, because there's this sense of relief or encouragement that we find that I find when people are, people are affirming and encouraging mm-hmm. to the the good things that you've done or the good things that have happened that you have led the charge on or been a part of. And, um, when you lay that down, you really stop getting external validation, which is so often much of our motivation. And the hard thing for me about this too, part of why it's our motivation is it's one of the earliest ways we learn how to discern what's right and wrong, true and Mm. false, good or bad. Yeah. When our parents say, yes, good, good job, Kate, you did so good. I did it. <laughs> I did it. I did the right thing. I arrived. Thing. I did yeah, the right I did thing. The thing. Yeah. And when they when they freak out on you and say no and you know whatever, that's how we, oh, that's a boundary. I can't I should not do that again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um there's part of that that's good but is misdirected. And sure. the the ultimate muscle in that that's good is um not that the dichotomy that remains the same is that good and bad are determined by somebody's uh, praise or disapproval. It's just not people's. Yeah. Well, and that's part of what I think happens that I have experienced, at least in the church, is like so many times it's like behavior modification Mm -hmm. rather than the motivations and intentions of our heart. Mm -hmm. And how do we flip that to be you know, your behavior changes because the motivations and intentions of our hearts have been touched by the Lord and transformed that we don't care about receiving the reward from men externally. We care about honoring the Lord and we Mm -hmm. care about receiving a reward from him, Mm -hmm. which is truly his presence, right? Mm -hmm. Like I want to be closer to him. And so my behavior does change because some behavior does keep me from being a part near God, it, it removes me from the presence of God. And so when I can allow that desire to be near God, to change the motivation and intentions of my heart, which then is my behavior, it's just this beautiful um, cycle. 100%, which I think it, I, as I was thinking about what this is really about, these two passages together, you just yeah. hit the nail on the head. This is about show versus substance. Mm, yeah. Right. This is about, am I putting on a performance that looks like I have something on the inside or is there something there that has transformed me that then uh, is a well I am pouring out from. And Jesus comes out of talking about our enemies into, I think part of why he does that is he comes out of talking about, yeah, you can love your enemies, but that has to come from a place of substance, not a place of show. Mm-hmm. otherwise yeah. it's not you can't sustain it and he goes into that both in talking about giving to the needy but then about prayer and he says and when you pray don't be like the hypocrites yeah that he was just talking about just talking and about hypocrites. these hypocrites 
For they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. Mm -hmm. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. It's this re-emphasis with a new lens. And when you pray, do not keep babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a, an, a re-emphasis of the same thing. But one of the things that strikes me is um, what part of what makes them hypocrites, because again, a hypocrite is somebody who says one thing and does another. Yep. Right? Yep. So why would giving to people in public make them hypocrites? And I think the answer is this. When they give to the poor in public, they're not really giving to the poor. They're giving to themselves by doing something to get the approval of people Mm -hmm. in a public way. And so it looks like they care about the poor, but really they care about themselves. And they're not giving to the poor. They're hypocrites because they're giving to themselves and using poor people as the means to that end. Yeah. And the same thing. No, go ahead. And the same thing with the prayer, right? Because, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites for they love to pray standing in synagogues and on street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full, meaning they got what they prayed for, right? And so again, if they're praying in public, the purpose of this is they seem like they're praying to God, but God is saying, but when they get the approval of people, they get what they prayed for, meaning they're not praying to God. They look like they're doing one thing, but they're really doing another. And they're really praying to the people. Mm-hmm. They're, they're praying for the people to see them praying. And they they're literally, gotten, right. It's not the content of their prayer, but it is the cause. They're yeah. praying for the people to see them. Yep. Right. And, and that's what makes them hypocrites is they look like they care about one thing and they're doing one thing, but really and, secretly. And, an them. observation that I have here is that it says in verse six, but when you pray, go in your room, close the door, pray to your father, who is unseen. Mm-hmm. There's this idea of you're not going to get external validation because mm-hmm. you can't even see God. Mm-hmm. You just pray to him and you trust in him and you come before him with your wants and needs. And he's not necessarily going to be able to see you. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to be able to see him. Mm-hmm. Not with real- physical eyes anyway. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a manifestation of the answer to prayers. Mm-hmm. But I just think I just think that's an interesting um, connection to uh, you. You are you be seen. I was going to say you be seen by others up here in verse five. Yeah. But you don't be seen. There, there's, <laughs> there's no being seen down here. <laughs> yeah. And I think that that's um, part of why it's so um, wrong is to to do these things for the difference is when I do it for other people, I get validation immediately. Yeah. And I don't need to wait and I don't need to have faith. Man, I'm, that's so great. I feel so good. Yeah. <laughs> right I'm away. In control the whole time. Right away. Yep. Right. And part of what is so, uh, but in that, in that I am a God unto myself, right? Because I am, I am looking not instead of looking, instead of truly giving worship by giving to the poor, I'm looking to get worship by giving to the poor. Mm -hmm. 
And instead of looking um, uh, to give praise to God in prayer, I'm looking to mm-hmm. get praise from people in prayer. Has this been something that has uh, shown up in your life before? 1000%. How can yeah. it not? I think this totally. is, especially I'm a three on the Enneagram. So this is like, you know, <laughs> right to the heart of my guts. And um, where, where have you seen the, um, the, uh, tr- like the negative aspects of that show up? Like how has that caused it's you? Yeah. It's, and you know, you know, you know, at the, when you do, when you, um, can manipulate people like this, you stop trusting people and yourself. Uh, and yeah. the the trophies you get are empty yeah because you know you didn't really earn them you just manipulated your way into them totally. and so that's that when scripture talks about it, it's like um in revelation john eats this scroll and it's like honey in his mouth and then painful in his gut um that's mm-hmm. what the approval of of people is like when you know you manipulated for it and it just is a futility like it just feels so futile and because you, you know you're too weak you know you're not god yeah. right and when people um when you can play the god game and not meet with god the person you mm-hmm. just start to go this isn't real because yeah. i i um i'm the one doing all this mm-hmm. right yeah and and i know i'm actually not big enough um, to be the one that all this faith is about. Yeah, and so it's never going to last. It creates a cynicism that really is of your own making and a suffering mm-hmm. that is of, of your own design. Um, because you have a show with no substance, mm-hmm. right? You are, you're, a, you're a set on a play stage instead of a real castle, right? Mm-hmm. And um, Pete Scazzaro talks about uh, stone cladding, and uh, there's this stuff called stone cladding that is like a stick-on thing that has mm-hmm. real stone, but like just really thin pieces of real stone on like a film. Okay. Uh, and so if you want a look that looks like you have a porch, for example, built out of like rough hewn stone, um, to actually build a porch out of stone would be like so much money, tens of thousands Right, of yeah. <clears throat> Rocks Especially. are very expensive, surprisingly. Yeah. But to get stone cladding, <laughs> And it would require require a stone mason who knew how to cut and handle the different kinds of rocks Mm -hmm. and then make them um, structurally stable. Uh, And to be a stone mason, you have to study for like years and years. It's similar to being a sushi chef, you know, where you, there's like this whole process. Um, But stone cladding, you can buy at Menards by yourself. (laughs) You you can put it up in a weekend and it makes it look like, look at this amazing stone porch I have, Mm -hmm. but it's a lie, right? It's a lie. There's and um, <laughs> I really love uh, Pavel Satsulini, who is a Russian uh, kettlebell. Yeah. Yes, uh, I recall. Guy. I recall your. Uh... <laughs> okay, you not love Exit. Pavel, <laughs> the Russian kettlebell. He's so funny, but his whole thing. Uh, he's not. He doesn't look super ripped. You know, I should. I'm going to look up a picture of Pavel. So oh, you could do that because we're right here on the we internet. We can see in person. Mm-hmm. He doesn't look super ripped, um, but uh, he had a great Joe Rogan. Uh, there we go. A great Joe Rogan podcast where um, Joe was like, basically, like, you know, why why do all this stuff? Why is this your whole shtick with the kettlebell and everything? Uh-huh. Um, and he said, because I care about. Um, the substance of strength, 
more than the image of strength. And in Ooh. America, you're obsessed with the image of strength, but it has no substance. Gosh, that's so good. And then Joe said, give me an example of that. And he said, let's take a football player. Football players look strong. They are strong, but they're strong in very specific movements. And if you try to ask them to, let's say, play tennis, that football player is going to rip his ACL so fast. Mm -hmm. Because it's this image of strength that actually only supports a couple things, not whatever your body is asking you to do. Mm -hmm. And Pavel said, the reason he loves the kettlebell is it's unbalanced. You're never balanced when you're holding a kettlebell. It's always on one side, or it's all, if you're holding it up, it's always pulling you in one direction or the other. And the natural consequence of that is it forces the whole chain of movement to become strong, not just the bicep or the shoulder or right. the lap. You know, so the, every part yeah. connected from the floor to the top of the weight has to become strong. And so Pavel looks like this. Um, I mean, there are pictures that are a little more flattering than this, <laughs> but he looks like this, right? Mm -hmm. Like not, not super, you, you don't look at him and go like, oh my, oh my gosh. gosh, he's right. so ripped. Yeah. Right. But, um, I mean, he's a little more ripped in this picture, Yeah, yeah. but he is really, really strong and he can, um, <laughs> like this right here, he's doing the splits, holding a 70 pound weight that's not balanced above his. Seems like he's going to get hurt. I feel like just. Uh, he's so, 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 so strong. Mm -hmm. And so anyway, his whole thing was, was simply that um, his doubts, people kept telling him, dude, you got it. You got to do this. You got to bring this to America. The Americans will love it. And he kept saying they won't love it because it's mm -hmm. not sexy. Mm -hmm. It's not about changing your, your body image is you're going to be lean, you're going to be fit, but you're not going to be like jacked. You're not going to look like the <laughs> right. rock. I just hate workout. that phrase so much. Get jacked. I'm get jacked. And, um, uh, but his whole thing was about strength is useless if you die young. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. his whole workout, everything about his workout scheme is um, about longevity. Does he have like a mind for like diet and sleep and yeah you know, I, all of those things. yeah all those things are important but his point is his his whole hope and goal is you want to be strong and capable as a human being until the mm -hmm. day you die yeah you don't want to be trapped in your body in your 60s 70s mm -hmm. 80s you want to be able to be fit and active mm -hmm. playing with your grandkids rolling on the ground able to get up able to get down able mm -hmm. to jog all these things until the day you die. Um, and you want to live a full life and a long life. Yeah. And strength which ties which ties into the idea of having substance in your exactly right. And so this this relates back to the the scripture we were just reading because what Jesus is getting at is this spiritual substance over spiritual show. Right. And spiritual show is defined by um caring more about what people think than what God thinks and yeah. being um, looking for the reward of the approval and praise of people mm -hmm. over the approval and praise of God. And I think going back to your question, Kate, this is um, so core to my life. This is, yeah. this is one of my biggest discipleship hurdles and journeys and um, topics that this, this, um, sense of lord this has to be about this relationship with you that is real that is present 
and that is full of um, delayed gratification because I'm not in control. And um, this has to come from this place where uh, I'm not just uh, throwing up stone cladding so that people at church think I'm spiritually mature, but I am doing the hard work of hauling stones out of the quarry and building this mm-hmm. thing brick by brick um, so that I'm not running after what, what people want and what people um, think. And, and again, like I said, this part of why this is so hard is this is how we learn what right and wrong is. The things our mm-hmm. parents approve of, we, we learn, oh, that's right. And the things they right. don't approve of, we go, oh, that's wrong. And that's what so much of young adulthood is about is undoing some of those things and deciding for yourself, okay, what am I going to say is uh, mm-hmm. right and wrong apart from my parents' approval and disapproval. But the step further is, okay, now what apart? What about apart from my friends' approval and disapproval? What about apart from my siblings' approval and disapproval? What apart, about apart from my generation's approval or disapproval? Yeah. What about if it's only God's approval or disapproval? Right. Well, um, and what about outside of my own ideas yes. of what is right and wrong? You right. Know? Where do we define? And I think this is something that many people are trying to figure out right now is where does truth come from? Yeah. And, you know, we say scripture as Christians, we say scripture is where we identify truth, ultimate Mm -hmm. truth, only truth. Mm -hmm. And um, the varying disagreements and fights that come with um, difference of opinions of Mm -hmm. interpretations of scripture and what does God actually say? And, you know, when I look at this, it's really just this desire to seek and serve God and really know, like, who is he? And we see his righteousness. We see what he says is true in scripture. He reveals it to us. Mm-hmm. And I do think there are some things that we're like, ugh, I don't know, man. Mm-hmm. And anybody who claims to have certainty about certain things, I'm like, well, I'm going to doubt your, I'm going to yeah, doubt your faithfulness here. because... Yeah, because there is there are things that are like, gosh, I don't know. But man, I'm just going to seek after the Lord's heart. Mhm. Mhm. Yep. And I think um ultimately part of why this is so important is um when we get the ap- approval of people. I I think back to Jesus's um temptation in uh the wilderness. Yeah. And actually I'm gonna I'm gonna turn to that right now. I'm gonna see if yeah. I can. Yeah, here we go. Tested in the wilderness. Mm-hmm. I think this is one of the great temptations that every person has to overcome. Um so let's read real quick in, in chapter four. Then Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Go figure. <laughs> the tempter I mean, came yes. to him and said, If you're the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, there's so much in those couple things. So the t- the devil says, if you're the son of God, yeah. tell these stones to become bread. And what he's telling Jesus to do is prove yourself. Yeah. Oh, I feel that so deep me. in my soul. I cannot even. Oh. This, this is one of the enemy's temptations. You want to be a good pastor, don't you, Kate? Mm-hmm. Prove it. Prove it. Mm-hmm. Prove it. Prove you are. Yeah. You yeah. want to be a good person, right? Prove mm-hmm. it. You yeah. want to be a, you don't want to be a racist, right? Mm-hmm. Prove it. Yeah. 
Yeah. Right. And, and there, there, and you know, right. Obviously racism is bad. And, but that's not the point. Jesus already is the son of God though. Yeah. Right. He and doesn't what, need to prove anything. And what Jesus, Jesus's response to this temptation to prove yourself. Yeah. Um, is that I don't live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Meaning he's saying, I, because what Jesus is not saying is I can't do that. He can do that. Mm -hmm. But what he is saying is I, the things that really sustain me are not the things that you can give me or that even I can give myself. The thing that ultimately sustains me is what comes from the mouth of God. It's God's words to me that ultimately are my bread. What's bread? It makes me thrive, survive, and it literally builds my cells. The things we eat become our new cells, mm-hmm. right? And so when Jesus is saying, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God, he's quoting Deuteronomy, but he's also telling the devil, um, your approval will not satisfy me and neither will what I can provide for myself. The only thing that will satisfy me and truly form me in my substance mm-hmm. is what comes from the mouth of God. The words of my father to me, which just happened 40 days earlier when, he, when um, the, uh, the father said, oh boy, that was the wrong button there. That was a lot of things. <laughs> Uh, the father says to him (laughs) this is my son Mm -hmm. whom i love yes with him i am well pleased so this happened right before the temptation yeah where where satan says like a month and a half if okay. you're, if you're, well, which is pretty soon after yeah, 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 yeah. hearing from the Lord, like totally. you I are my you. son and yep. I am, I love him and I'm pleased with him and yes. like, okay. So right after this happens, Satan's like, yeah, but if you are though, yeah, do X, Y, and Z. Yes. Yeah. And that's, a ch- that would be so challenging. I would totally be like, yeah, done. Yeah. Bread. <laughs> yep. You know, and yep. throw myself off the rocks. Yep done. Yep. God is going to save me because I am his son. Yep. And, uh, that's, and, that's and the like, way he's asking Jesus to prove himself is provide for his own needs instead of trust God mm-hmm. to fill. Yeah. Him. You know, just and, such an American, like it's it just is. an American struggle. We, I struggle so much with that, you know? And so going back to the passage you just read in, in Matthew six, two chapters mm-hmm. later, what Jesus is saying is, that pro- appro- approval from men will not satisfy you. And the things you can provide for yourself are not enough to sustain you. Yeah. What you need and what you want mm-hmm. is not the show. What you want and what you're looking for and hungering for is the voice of God to say, you are my kid and yeah. I love you. And I am well pleased with you. Yeah. And so how do we, how do we actually live into that? Like, how do we actually hold on to the truth in the middle of uh, the fear and the doubt and the anxiety and the sadness and the hurt that comes up in the world and fight against that 
that desire to mm-hmm. have the approval of people around us. Mm-hmm. And it's not everyone around us, no. right? It's it's people who not we usually. value. Yeah, we value their opinions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whoever that is for, you know, our listeners. Right, ourselves. right. And, and for everyone, it's different. For everyone, mm-hmm. it's different, right? But I think that all of us struggle with that. And Jesus's answer to that is twofold. He he teaches us how to pray, which is one answer. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and really, the Lord's Prayer, uh, I, I don't want to get into it. because Yeah, we're, we don't have time. We don't days. have time. <laughs> um, the Lord's Prayer is the answer to that. But not just praying the Lord's Prayer, but doing it in secret. That the things that I have a secret place with God a relationship with him that is unseen by the world. And in that place, I hear his voice. Mm-hmm. And that's what grounds me. Yeah. You know, and and mm-hmm. I, I think that it's been argued, going back to Jesus in the desert, that he was so weak because he'd been um, fasting and uh, not drinking water for 40 days and 40 nights. But I think he was probably the closest to God he'd been since uh being incarnated right (laughs) and um he was just hyper aware Uh, i don't i don't know if anyone listening has ever fasted over three days but there is this thing that happens where it's almost like the volume on the world gets turned down and the volume on god's voice gets turned up Uh, i've done it several times and every time it's just such a fascinating and amazing experience uh you're definitely hungry but it's like God's voice seems crystal clear because uh, there's just this removal of everything that's not him. Um, and it's very, very, very profound. But anyway, I think that the how is ultimately this secret life with God. Um, and really that begins just like, it's so tangible. And this is one of the things I love about um, God's word and God's way it's one of those things that has to be done to be understood. And so if you're wondering, like, where do I even begin? What I would tell you to do is grab your Bible, maybe a devotional of some kind, and just start uh, asking God to reveal himself to you and showing up to the kitchen table. Mm-hmm. Show up, you know, for 15, 20, 30 minutes in the morning before work, eat your breakfast, pray, read scripture and ask, just ask God, show yourself to me. Yeah. Show yourself to me. And he will. It's just as simple as that. There's no way around showing up and um, being present for it. And, and I, cause I, that's it, right? It's the, the reason these people are hypocrites is they look like they're doing that and they're not. Mm-hmm. They look like they have this whole, the stone cladding is real brick and yeah. it's not, it's just a facade. Um, and, you know, it's very, very simple. Just like with working out, um, you can look like you're fit based on the kind of clothes you wear or, you know, uh, the kind of diet you have or different things like that. But that doesn't mean you're strong in your substance, right? It takes work and it takes just showing up every day, even when you don't want to. Mm-hmm. And that builds the substance. Yep. You know? Yeah, I agree. What thoughts do you have on this as we close, Kate? Yeah, I just think that I'm sitting with the idea of um, the authenticity behind our relationship with the Lord. And it makes me think about the um, 
sinner, the, the, um, I can't remember if it's a Pharisee or a Sadducee or whatever, who shows up in the temple and says, Lord, thank you so much that I'm not like that guy. Yeah. You know, I'm not like them. And, um, how easy it is for us to have a critical and judgmental spirit towards people who we don't even understand what they're going through or what Mm -hmm. the Lord is doing inside of them. And that, uh, a repentant heart, a contrite heart is so much more pleasing to God mm-hmm. and really submitting ourselves and saying like, Ugh, I have so much I need to work through that I can't do outside of relationship with the Lord. And just trusting that when I show up to him, he's going to bring healing. He's going to bring transformation. And it's only through me showing up to God with my brokenness and dysfunction and unhealth yeah. and, and sin that he is able to redeem it. There can't yeah. be change if I don't show up with it. And so mm-hmm. I, um, I think that is just what comes up for me here is like, I just mm-hmm. got to keep showing up to the Lord and ask him to see me. Yep and let him see me. And yep. even though I know he sees me, even when I try to hide from him, yeah. <laughs> um, but I have, I, you know, I've, I've got a, it's like an onion, right. In recovery, we talk about that there's layer after layer. And anytime a layer comes off, I'm like, Oh, there's so much more under there and it's yep. uncomfortable and messy. And, yep. um, but man, he's so redemptive and gracious. Yep. I'm so grateful for Jesus in my life. I don't yep. deserve it, but I receive it. Yeah. And I think you're right. It takes vulnerability uh, to hear, um, to receive God's love. You know, yeah. it takes this, this uh, um, vulnerability and this, um, I think there's a grief too, just to realizing that like, I am way not God and way not good enough. Yes, And I think that we all feel that and run from it constantly running to many, many things, but to mm-hmm to face the ruins of our own self and own them and go, yeah. And uh, this is my life. And these, this is my inner world. These are my ruins and I don't have the strength to um, rebuild them, the power to make them whole and good. Um, Only you can do that. And then to receive God's love, even in that place where, you know, um, it's preemptive. Like you don't, you don't, you didn't earn it. Yeah. That was something I know we're not talking about the sermon from this past weekend, but final thought, I'm just going to touch on the, the phrase that you used and the way that you described the, um, the, oh gosh, what was the phrase? It was like, God is good to everyone because he can't help but be good. What prevenient grace, prevenient grace. Oh my gosh. I was like, exactly. Like, um, the sunrise is beautiful, whether you believe in God or not, sex feels good, whether you believe in God or not food tastes good, whether you believe in God or not, because these are just good things in the world that we enjoy because, oh my gosh, I just like, can't help but love that. I think that's just beautiful. He can't help but offer these good things to people. And so often these are the things that people use to replace God. Yes. Yeah. Right. And I just thought, let me not do that. God, please Mm. help me to not allow things that are your goodness being bestowed on me become idols. Mm -hmm. Let me, let me depend on you rather than the good things that you provide. Yeah. Yeah. And ultimately it's, we don't even, I don't even think we make those things into idols. We make ourselves into God and which those things then exist to serve us. Right. 
You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, that's good. And, yeah, yeah. And I think okay. that um, that's that's the um, that's the heart of the American condition right now is that mm-hmm. I am God and the things I feel are true and you can't tell me any different. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, I think that God is uh, <laughs> gonna do a lot of undoing in that. Mm-hmm. And I think that yeah. that's for all of us one of our. Uh, that's the one of the ways our culture. Um, tries to co-opt Jesus is we mm-hmm. emphasize all the ways that Jesus affirms who I feel like I am. Yeah. Instead of, um, you know, there, Jesus has no interest in becoming like me, but has a lot of interest <laughs> in becoming like him. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's uh, good. offensive. So <laughs> that's good. I'm like, that's good. <laughs> and offensive. Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> yeah. You like a lot of offensive stuff. Though, I so. do. <laughs> Well, thank you for joining us on Tell Me More. Um, We would love to hear from you. If there are suggestions you have for the podcast, please let us know. And if there are things you'd like to talk more about, please let us know. You can comment on the YouTube video. You can reach out to us via Facebook or the contact on our website. And we Mm -hmm. will see you next week. Bye.